0: Hi, welcome to Master Your Mind with me, Marissa Peer, teaching you the secrets to harness the powerful potential of your mind so you can have a fulfilled and happy and extraordinary life. Send your questions or your problems you'd love me to solve to podcast at marissapier.com. Hey, everyone, so this is Marissa Peer, and I'm here interviewing someone that I just adore, Lisa Bilio. I met her in Porta Vallarta about five years ago, and you told me your love story, I did. and I never forgot it. And we've been friends and colleagues ever since. And Lisa has written this book, Radical Confidence. I want to hear so much about it as a therapist. I know that the biggest problem people have is they don't have confidence. They don't know what it is, what it looks like, or where to get it. So I want to start with the beginning. What made you pick that title? What made you write a book on confidence first?
1: I love that. So I'm just so happy to be here with you. I've, uh, you know, interviewed you so many times. I have. It's such a, like, pleasure for me. Um, someone reached out to me a literary age and said, hey, are you interested in writing the book? The very first thing, now this was a year ago. So at that point, I've already built a billion-dollar company. I've already built Impact Theory with over, you know, um, 500 million views and, like, pretty confident and they come to me and they're like would you want to write a book first thing I thought to myself is who the hell would buy a book for me and in that moment my husband just looked at me and he's like are you joking and I was like oh yeah oh i just realized that the insecure negative Lisa comes back and I was like she never goes away she's always there and so I was like it's interesting because the thing that people ask me the most is oh my god Lisa how are you so confident So putting together the fact that people ask me this, and I don't feel confident most of the time, I was like, I think I need to talk about this. And I think this is actually what the book Mm. needs to be about. Because people think that I'm confident, but they don't hear the voice in my head. Now, the voice in my head is telling me I'm no good. I'm not enough, right? Mm. We just spoke about that with you. And so when I think about why people think I'm confident, it's because I don't let it stop me. I don't let the negative voice in my head that you can't do it who the hell do you think you are stop me and I call that radical confidence because it's not about feeling great about starting it's about having radical confidence which means that you just have to start even if you, f- you feel the fear you feel the insecurity you know that you're actually not necessarily mm. great at it yet but you still do it anyway and so that's kind of why I was like I really need to call this radical confidence because I think we're doing a disservice by telling people, yes, I'm confident and that's how I've achieved everything. It's the fact that I just show up every day, even when I'm scared, um, shitless, scared shitless, I still show up. Um, so, yeah, that's really where we started.
0: And you're so right because there are two groups of people. The first group go, oh, no, I'm too scared. And 2nd so I'm, I'm scared, but fuck it. I'm going to do it right. anyway. So we all have fear, but we have a choice. Shall I give up? Or shall I feel the fear and just keep going? And I love the fact you said you have that little voice Mm -hmm. in your head. And I love the fact that you use swear words because when I'm with clients, I say, listen, you've got to say to them, shut the fuck up. (laughs) It's great therapy, shut the fuck up. What the fuck do you know? And people say, you swore. But you see, I find swearing, I love the word fuck. It's a maximizer, it's a minimizer, it's an insult. It's a compliment, it's an amplifier. You can put it in front of words and make them better. It's a great extension. I particularly love that you had a title which is called Toughen the Fuck Up. I'm so, normally I can't swear, (laughs) but I love it that your whole book is full of profanities, but they're great words. So tell me first about toughen the fuck up because sometimes we have to give people these very simple expressions yeah tell the boys to fuck off say well fuck you i'm going to do it anyway so let's talk about a middle chapter i
1: love that
0: toughen the fuck up because i think you had to do that
1: it's funny because yeah it's toughen the fuck up buttercup yeah and so that's the the sweet the sweetness Mm -hmm. at the end because you're right A, I I love harsh language because Mm -hmm. I use it as an amplifier, as a way of embodying something. So when I really want to put emphasis, right, it's like body language matters. Mm -hmm. You know, how you hold your voice and the tone Mm. you use matters. So throwing an F-bomb really does impact me emotionally, Mm. like impact me. It's not even about the other person. Um, And then it's just toughening up because going back to like, I have a negative voice that from childhood was telling me, I mean, I was bullied at school for, I had a big nose. I had one of those head braces that wrapped all the way around the head. Um, I was teased, I had a really long, really long Greek name. So it was like Shaga Lampost. It was actually Haralambos, but the kids tease you. So I felt very insecure. I was put in like a special class for the way that I held my pencil. So it was like, they forced me to like hold it in this weird way. And so I was just thought of myself as being dumb ugly, stupid and as I got older I started to realize I was embodying that belief and when I started to, um, when I was thrust into Quest, so when my husband first came home and he's like I've got this idea of a business, I'd been a um, stay-at-home wife, supportive wife for eight years, so I was like okay babe yep, yeah, absolutely let's do it, I'll help him, I'm the good Greek wife and then Quest happened and it grew at 57,000%. So that looks like you're shipping bars from your living room floor one day. And then within two years, I've got a facility of 10,000 square feet, 40, uh, 40 people. And a lot of those people in my production department and shipping department were ex-convicts. So we start, we open, we grow so quickly. I'm like, fine, I'll just see what I can do. Yes, I can handle it. And each stage, it was like, well, you've just got to learn. You've got to learn. Mm. And if I didn't learn, we would have lost the house. So that was where I was like, okay, I don't feel tough, but i just got to keep going. So we get a facility, we finally get one that is big enough that we get it in Compton. And so we don't care about where you come from. It really is who you're going to show up to be today and who do you Mm. want to become tomorrow. And no matter what your background is, whether you're an ex-convict, we don't care. And so we had incredible humans that we were working together, But here I am, five foot one, never been a boss before, apart from my two little doggies, shipping from my living room floor, never knowing what it was like to be an entrepreneur, thrust into a business that was just growing so quickly. And now I have an entire department where if we don't ship bars out, if it crumbles, you know, no, we don't get the money. So it was like, okay, I have to be tough. And I was working with guys who are six foot five and they've got teardrop tattoos under their eyes. You think I'm joking, but no, they actually and I know do. what that means, too. Yeah, And, but it wasn't, I wasn't scared, but I was like, I can never let them in, even intimidate me or show them, even if they do intimidate me, I can't show them that. And so in those moments, I wanted. I had to say to myself, what am I trying to achieve? And how do I show up every day? And it was, I didn't know how to be a boss. OK, well, you can't let that stop you. You have to toughen up. You have mm. to learn. Now, if I get confronted where it's just like a, a disagreement, I can't show weakness. I have to show that as a leader, as a leader, mm. you have to be freaking strong. Mm. People turn to you. Of course. So we had to over time go. I've got an option without judgment. I've got an option. Say this is hard and stop. Because it's too tough. And that's okay. I actually gave myself the permission to say, don't judge yourself if you no longer want to do this because Mm. it's just too hard. It's a life you don't want. Or you better fucking toughen the fuck up buttercup Mm. and learn and show up every day knowing that you can learn, you can get better, you will fail. And so that's where that kind of phrase came from. Um, And so it just became like this motivation of how you show up every day is up to you doesn't mean the results is up to you right you've said many times you can't control other people you can't control a lot of situations but by golly i can control that i showed up Yeah, and period. just showing
0: up is so important because it's like you take the first step and then you take the second and often you think i don't know what i'm doing here but i'll show up yeah. and it just works out people say how do you know i don't i don't know what i'm doing but i know that if i turn up and stand, walk on stage, or do what I'm doing, it will all work out. I saw an example of radical confidence last week because I was looking at you on Instagram and someone had bullied you,
1: oh, very yeah.
0: mean, and yeah. I saw how elegantly you came back and what you did was you put the post up for everyone to see yeah. and said, look at this, and I thought that was lovely. I, I really believe in that because nobody wakes up and goes, oh, my life's amazing. I think I'll just go and bully that Lisa Billio today. My life is so great. I'm gonna go and troll Mm. someone now. And I think it's really important to call out these people who sit at home trying to hurt us. We know that hurt people hurt people, but I want to ask you, what made you do that?
1: Oh, thank you. Because I loved that. I thought
0: it was it was such for every girl who's being bullied at school, bullied at home, bullied by their partner. I loved what you did. You didn't go, oh, you don't like me. You went What a shame. Mm. You're unhappy. Let me highlight what you're doing. So tell me, although it's not about the book, but it is about the book because it's a strategy for dealing with bullies, which we get a lot. Tell me why you did that.
1: Yeah, you. once upon a time as that little girl, Mm. I was the one that was crying in the, you know, going home and crying. Mm. I never wanted a bully to see me upset because I knew that that was more ammo. Mm -hmm. So I was that person that like they would pick on me. I wouldn't show any, you know, um, I wouldn't cry in front of them, I wouldn't push back, but I would go home and cry and feel badly about myself. And over time, over these years, I've realized that you can't control other people, but you can control how you respond to people. And so hurt people hurt people. And so if someone is hurting me, I don't want to reciprocate that. And it's for my own sake, Mm. it's for my own sanity, it's for my own mindset. Mm. I don't want to put that out, I don't want to feel hatred towards somebody. And so when I felt it, as a grown-up, I just said, I'm not going to let someone bully me anymore. Mm. We all talk about decisions that we just make, yeah. and choices we make, and I just made a decision. If anyone tries to bully me, I am going to show them they can't, but not in an aggressive way and not in a um, backlash way. Yeah, Because I think that also shows insecurity. But well, it
0: shows you've let it in. Yes. If you If you cry or retaliate, yeah. you've let it in. If you say let me share with you what you said yeah. and let's deal with that. You haven't let it in, you're
1: giving it straight back. Exactly, and so I think that there's moments where, to be honest, part of me was trying to get through to her. Mm-hmm. I yeah. was trying to say, if, what is your goal here? If your goal, and this what I said in the video, if your goal here is to come in and try and show negativity, you've achieved that. If your goal is, if your North Star is to have peace of mind, You're in the wrong, you're going the wrong direction. And so to just highlight the behavior, to not hide behind that behavior and to just lay out. These are the only situations I can see has evolved from this. You're either trying to bring me down because there's something that you need to overcome, which now I can only show you compassion. Mm -hmm. Or you're trying to actually bring me down because you have hatred inside you. And I can't do anything with that. So he's like, unfollow me. So we were just talking about Ricky yeah. Gervais. So he does this whole freaking up, which I loved. And I literally said, the next time someone bullies me, I'm going to say this. So Ricky Gervais says, back in the day before phones were around, right? Let's say you're walking down the street and you enter the, um, the town centre and you see one of those little bulletins that says, guitar lessons for sale. And he's like, you know, you pull those little things. And he's like, you wouldn't go up to that advertisement that says guitar lessons for sale pull the thing, run home, call them, and it's like, but I don't want guitar lessons. It was so funny, funny. because he's right. You yeah. don't go to someone else's house and tell them mm. what you don't want. No. Just don't go to their house. Exactly. And so for me, in those moments, I was like, I get people get triggered by things and I'm never going to intentionally try to trigger someone. But if I'm a trigger, please unfollow me yeah. for your own sake. Yeah, for your own sake
0: which is very clever because maybe you didn't know what you did, but you didn't let it in. Mm -hmm. You know, part of confidence is you Mm. can choose. You can I don't have to let it in. I can, but I cannot. And when you hand it back, it's like it's time to serve you a paper. If you don't take it, Mm. you haven't been served. So you very cleverly didn't let it in. And I hope you've talked about that in your book because it's a great gift to say, you can dislike me, you can hate me. I don't have to let it in. So I thought that was exquisitely skillful, which is why I remember it. I love the way you actually were trying to help her. What's going on? What do you need? If this is a trigger, unfollow. You know, you don't keep doing, I hate that food, let me keep eating it. That gives me a headache, so I'll eat some more of it. You
1: stop. I actually also did that out of my own insecurity of trying to get people to like me. Yeah. I just accepted not everyone's going to mm. like you. And so when it comes to you, you're like, yeah, this is, you know, not yeah. everyone likes you and yeah. it's not a big deal. It's not about you. It's not but about does it, your worth. Yeah.
0: But does it matter? You no. you can't worry about people who don't like you to focus on the ones that do. Which brings me to probably my favorite chapter. Validation is for parking. I thought that was so mm. clever. I love one-liners and words that make you think twice or three times. So share with us the chapter validation is for parking.
1: Yeah, it really is about like worth and where you get your validation from. And I think at least for me, I was brought up in a very traditional Greek family. So I, um, Subtly over the years was dripped on that my validation would come from supporting my husband and being a stay-at-home wife and having children. It was told from every single angle, as a kid my grandmother would come running if I was crying, you know, fall on the floor, scrape my knee and she'd come over and in her big thick Greek accent she'd be like, oh you'll be okay by the time you get married. Like everything yeah. was, by your the life's you going get... to be perfect and everything's going to be okay. Like your life is worth getting to the point of marriage. Mm -hmm. So I realized it was part of that that got me stuck in a life for eight years Mm. where I was staying at home supporting my husband and I didn't speak up to say what I wanted in life Mm -hmm. because I was getting validation out of being a good Greek wife, a good Greek daughter. And a lot of, I think a lot of people hold to that because that's where they get their pride or their self-worth. And I noticed that that transition from being the housewife So then I started at um, Quest, we started to build it. Mm. And then I started to build build the validation of being someone that can build a great department. And the department then I realized got me stuck again because now I wasn't progressing. I wasn't following my Mm. heart. I wasn't following the joy or the love or the, the passion that I had for life. All I was following was, oh, I'm getting, uh, people are giving me the accolades. I'm getting all these pats on the back that I built this department. Well, what if I leave? What if I try something new? What if I now don't get the pats on the back? Now, where am I going to get my validation and my worth from? And it became this whole thing of having to ident- uh, having to look at where you get your validation from, looking at your identity. I think we all hold to our, to our own identity mm. of, I'm the person that, I'm the person that people can turn to, right? So now if you're really busy, well now maybe I'm not the person people can turn to, what does that mean about me? Am I gonna be less, less worthy towards them? So I had to really freaking just... You've talked about peel the onion, right? I had to peel the onion to really say, where do I get my validation from? Why do I believe that? And now how can I take ownership over it? Then now I'm getting my validation in the pursuit of something. And so I started to reframe the way that I would see things. I get my worth in the pursuit that I'm the person that goes after the thing that pulls my heartstrings. Mm. And now... I've just changed the framing, changed the way that I see it so that I'm not always chasing something that I'm going towards passion and desire and the validation and my identity is built along the way. And
0: of course, you created Women of Impact and every woman you have on there is a tough woman, a strong woman, a role model. So obviously that's helped. But what about the next chapter, which is make your negative voice (laughs) your bitch and your best friend forever? Tell me how you made your negative voice your bitch and indeed your best friend forever. And why would you make your negative voice your best friend forever?
1: Oh God, I just love you saying the title to be honest. Um, So going to the negative voice again, very mean, very uh, cruel. And you listen to like, you know, you read Instagram posts, you listen to quotes, you listen to, you know, you read books, And a lot of the messaging out there at the time was love yourself, just love yourself be kind to yourself. And here was the thing. I tried. I tried. Like, I honestly tried and I couldn't. So I was like, okay, I started to feel bad about myself that I couldn't now be nice to myself. So instead of like trying to do better, I was actually feeling worse about myself because everyone was telling me I should be nice. I was trying to be nice and the negative voice was still there and still called. So I was like, okay, this strategy doesn't work. And so I'm so goal oriented that I go, what's the goal? And then how do I get there? Mm-hmm. And so the goal was to progress, to be better, to not let mm. my voice, my negative voice standing in my way. So right now my strategy in trying to be nice and trying to love myself is actually deterring me from my goal. So what can I do? And I was like, how the hell do I turn this into a positive? Because right now I cannot ignore it. So the only other option I have is to turn this into a positive. So I was like, okay, instead of being the bitch in my head, what if she was the friendly BFF bitch in my head and so what does that mean what do friends do friends tell you the hard truths but they're still kind they still love you but true friends will still be honest with you Mm, yeah of course so I was like what if that's what my negative voice is what if this bitch in my head is now my BFF Mm -hmm. and instead of trying this whole time to push her out to push her away to slam the door like to tell her to shut up what if I was just like come on put my arm around her give her a tetley tea give her a blanket and say all right friend what are you trying to warn me yeah and in that in stepping in front of the camera that was the biggest thing it was like I was behind the scenes at quest I was behind the scenes impact theory I helped build my husband's show like I helped build the company and I started to step in front of the camera because people were saying they wanted to hear more from me and as soon as I did I was beating myself up who the hell do you think you are? You're terrible in front of the camera. My first interview, it was like, oh, my God, what was I doing? Lisa, you don't belong in front of the camera. You, ha- you think you're good, but it proved that you weren't. You got in front and you're totally bombed. Now, there's that part of me that was like, don't ever get in front of the camera again. You're terrible. You're going to get teased. People are going to make fun of you. Why would you ever do that? And instead, I was like, BFF, come here. What are you trying to tell me? And what i realized once i started to stop trying to block it out she was saying you're no good so i was like great what am i no good at you're no good at intros okay how do i get better you have to practice how do i practice and so now i have to ask her questions lisa you're no good at outros great friend thank you for letting me know i'm no good at outros what can i do differently you better freaking prepare amazing i'm gonna prepare now you've seen i've got like eight boards around me so that i've now used i've used that negative voice i've used the advice and i've heard her and now i go if that is true how do i show up and mitigate that from happening again and so i just started to listen to it and now i literally every time that mean voice so i said at the beginning where the mean voice came was at least you don't have to write a book it's true have to write a book why the hell would I enter that and going I got this shit down pat that's bullshit let's face it I've never written a book before so to expect me to have this incredible confidence to be like I can write a book is false but I can have the radical confidence to learn and that was where the two comes in with the radical confidence with not knowing how to do something and say learn along the way And at least at the end, if I've learned how to and it tanks, I did the best I could and I'm going to learn my lesson and I'm going to come back. But I'm not going to freaking let that negative voice stop me from trying to write the book in the first place. See,
0: what you did was very clever because what you did, you made that voice go from destructive criticism to constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. Destructive is your rubbish. Constructive is Lisa, you're leaving it to the last minute. You're rushing in there. You're not prepared. And so when you turn the voice, it's still a critic, but it can be destructive Mm. or it can be constructive. You might me, darling, I love you, but, you know, Mm -hmm. you never get here on time. I'm always waiting for you. I don't think, oh, yeah, that's really upset my friend. I better try harder. So it's great advice for everyone. If you you can have a critic in your head, just make sure it's a constructive critic Mm. and not a destructive When you say, hey, what are you trying to tell me? You're trying to tell me I could get better, I could learn. Most people when we hear, oh, well, you said that, well, you did that too. And someone might say, you know, you're annoying, you're annoying. Mm-hmm. I found that as a parent, you're very naughty, so are you. You think, oh, okay, that's not working. Mm-hmm. need to find a better way to dialogue with my child. But it was very, very clever because you made it sound so easy, so simple. You used it yourself. But what you actually did was you took the critical, thinking. it's not going to go away, but instead of making it destructive, I can make it constructive and I can learn. What are you trying to tell me? What are you saying? What's the message here? What can I learn? How can I grow? And I thought that was so clever. And you think with clever people is they don't actually know they're even clever. People <laughs> like you that write often don't really realize the exquisite skill. I think with women of impact, you probably don't even know how powerful it is. You know, one of my friends who's of a network said, people who are good make it look so easy,
1: mm.
0: and then everyone says, I can do that too, but they can't. As I said before, very few people can actually get a book, take it to market, and make it sell. But I want to go on to your next chapter because I love the title even more. Mm. Get off the couch and put your bad bitch boots on. Yeah, buddy. So <laughs> clever, because it's, it's like, I think, oh, I want to know what that is. You know when you go to, a, oh, that looks good, I've I got to order that, it's so enticing. Aww. I think you're very clever. You have a gift for making each chapter what we call a page turner. This is a page as a book. I, I got to turn the page and see what does that mean? Get off the couch and put the bad bitch boots on. So tell me about bad bitch boots <laughs> and why we should put them on.
1: I love you. Um, thank you. Coming from you, that is a huge compliment and honor. So I just want to say thank you for that. Everything that I talk about is literally the, the things that I've done because I don't think of myself as necessarily being the expert. And I'm just like, even if I read things and I listen to things, what are the things I'm actually going to do in order to get out of my own head? And motivation is a big thing. It's like, how do you stay motivated? How do you believe in yourself? And how do you show up every day when you feel like total crap? You feel like a bag of nerves but yet I still show up. So first of all, so with radical confidence, it's people were like, I want confidence. Like let's say a speaking gig, right? You'd speak on stage. And in fact, the first time I ever saw you, I was way behind the scenes, never been on stage before, never did a show. And I saw you speaking on stage. And I was like, oh my God, the confidence. I was like, she just like, it's like coming out of your pores. But now I don't know if you've always been confident on stage and I don't know if you are. But I look at you and go, that's confident. So uh, you take it in and you go, I want that. And so you think that your internal has to um, mirror the external of what you see other people. But it's not true. No. So I go, OK, she's on stage. Well, do you want to get on stage? Yes or no? That is the end goal not the confidence to get on stage Mm. so when people say to me lisa i want the confidence the very first thing actually i say to them is what do you want the confidence in Mm. because you think that you want confidence and your life's going to be great. But actually, you never just stop at confidence. Most Everyone wants confidence to do something. Hmm. You want confidence to step on stage. You want confidence to tell your husband you're no longer happy in your marriage. You want confidence to tell your boss you think you deserve a pay rise. You want confidence to tell your parents, I don't want to study this anymore. But you don't just want confidence in and of itself. So, Back to the get off the couch and put your bad bitch boots on. I got offered a, it came from, I got offered a speaking gig, TEDx. Never been on stage before in my life, ever. And so I, I said yes, and then I just was scared shitless. And I was like, who the hell do I think I am? You know, the imposter syndrome comes in, the negative voice comes back and everything. And it was like, how do I get myself motivated? And how do I have the confidence enough to get up and actually do it? So I was like, what are the tools I can use to do it? Because I can't get out of my own head. So first of all, I was like, what are the things that I can embody to give me the confidence to just do it in the first place? So my hair is just like a, my hair, my jewelry, my clothes is like me suiting up. It's like sure. putting on my cape. Mm. It gives me the confidence. My bad bitch boots. I put them on. I zip them up. Like even just hearing now, yeah. the sound of a mm. zip. I've cultivated the power mm. of the zip pulling, of the putting on the boots, and it becomes now my power tool. Mm. And so I want people to go, what is that power tool? It's never gonna come naturally. You have to try some things. So it could be a top, it can be your hat, right? You even said like, every time I see you, I love your hats that you wear. And so I almost, in my head, I think of your your bad bitch boots version is your hat. Mm. Maybe it's not, but we all have that thing. Yeah. And we have to learn to see what that is.
0: And that's so true because if you get in the morning you put on a power suit, if I put on a suit and heels, yes. I feel like a businessman. Then when I put on my leggings and I'm going paddle boarding, I, I feel like I'm exercising. And if I put on a little negligee, I might feel like I'm hanging out with my husband. <laughs> so we do actually dress the part. And. But describe the bad bitch boots. I imagine them a bit like Dr. Martin's. What are they like? No,
1: they're literally knee-high boots, mm-hmm. very tight, black, mm. leather. The heel is clunky because I love I feel mm. sexy. And here's actually yeah. the nuance. I feel sexy in thin heels. Like your heels right now are so fucking sexy, homie. They are so sexy. So if I'm going on a date or if mm. I wanna like have like a bit of yeah. su- like suave to me, I'll put on something yeah. like that. But if I want to feel confident, the heel must be thicker. Yeah. Because when I walk, it gives my posture a certain thing. It has like a beat Mm. to it. Um, Music. Literally, when I, I talk about a hype song, like what is that song? that you can listen to that, you know, like WrestleMania. Like what would yeah. you put like your leotard on and yeah. go on like WrestleMania and yeah. be like, I've got this. Like think about as you're mm. going through that tunnel, yeah. what you would want people to chant, yeah. what you'd want that song to be. Because before I got on the TEDx stage, I put on my bad bitch boots, I put on Superwoman underwear. No one else saw it. No one saw I it. you felt it. But I felt it mm-hmm. because the nerves, I had to pee like 30 times before going on stage because I didn't actually pee. But it's but the, the adrenaline. Every, yeah. So what am I doing? I'm subtly reminding myself as I mm. look at my, my superwoman knickers. Mm. I'm like, all right, you're a superwoman. I wear, I've actually got um, Batgirl on today, but I wear Wonder Woman necklace mm-hmm. Because when I look in the mirror, right beneath my eyes is a logo. Of course. And this logo over time represents to me personal power. So I do these little things in order so I can freaking get on stage in the first place and not freeze.
0: And what's the song you go on stage ah, to? That's I'm very a survivor. Important. Oh, I love that. I used to go on stage to Let's Get It Started yeah. by the Black Eyed Peas because it says, I, 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 I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And I find that songs really talk to you. Let's do it. Let's get it started. Yeah. This, this girl is on fire, titanium. Because it's the same thing as the bad bitch boots, the big girl pants. Mm. We're saying, I'm ready, you're not stopping me. And I think even the metaphor of putting on, it's like Mm -hmm. putting on the Superman outfit, putting on the Catwoman and off you go. And even if it's just a metaphor, it's so clever because it's saying, get ready. You know, here I come, you know, that song, I'm going to get ready because here I come. And you're mentally getting yourself ready. And, and many athletes do that. They have a lucky mm-hmm. n- lucky letter they stick in their sock. Many tennis players do that. I work with a lot of athletes who have a little something. And the bad bitch boots is the metaphor for don't fuck with me. Yeah. Here I am. I've got something to say. And even if you don't like it, I like it. So I love that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so clever because I think there's so many young girls who can think, what, what are my bad bitch boots? As you say, could it be Why? my hair? Could it be a hat? Could it be a jacket? Could it be zipping up my leather trousers or pulling on my leggings or putting my shoulder bag there? Or even picking up my pen and my notes and going on. So you're going into that meeting because you've mentally prepared. You've given yourself that little something. And I think if you have something, and a song, you can, I always believe that we've got to sing our own song. Mm. And I love that song, I'm a survivor, because some of us think, oh, I'm dying. I'll never find love again. Don't leave me. Mm. I can't live without you. No, 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 Sing, I'm a survivor. I'm gonna make it. Because those words, uh, so you're empowering yourself twice with a song mm-hmm. and with a bad bitch mm-hmm. boots. I love that thank you
1: and i literally like before I went on stage I just put my you know my AirPods pods mm-hmm. in my ear and when actually went into yeah. the restroom and I'm like you know kind of like shadow boxing like yeah. in the toilets like and it's just like I go to I have the it's and I'm actually probably um, to you this sounds normal but like I have the power to change the chemicals in my body oh yes absolutely and how am I going to do that do I listen to sad music and make myself feel shitty and tell myself that I'm, no, you know, like you put on like your unflattering things the things that don't make you feel yeah. good? Or am I going to go, okay, I recognize I don't feel confident, but I don't need confidence to go on stage. I just need the radical confidence. How the hell do I get radical confidence? Let me try a bunch of stuff and see what fits for me and what music fits for me. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and I think for women, when you're going into the bedroom, if you think, God, I'm the sexiest, hottest yes. thing on the planet, yes. the guy you're with will think that too. Yes. Don't wait for them to tell you. You tell them you're so lucky to be with me. I'm so sexy. I'm so hot. You think, really? Yes, really. Mm-hmm. Because don't wait for someone else to fill you up with those words. Do it yourself.
1: And, or we and, do the opposite, right? Yeah. we like self-deprecate. So yeah. it's like, you know, like if you're going to, you know, have some, make sweet, sweet love with your partner, you know, it's just like, oh, oh, but ignore my thighs, you know, and yes. it's like you try and just like that actually is the opposite of sexy. And I know. You say,
0: I'm so sorry, I'm a bit heavy here. Yay. I've gained weight. Yeah. Never apologize. One of these about Kate Moss is she has this motto never complain and never explain, mm-hmm. never justify. And I think that's a great motto. Don't ever say, oh, yes, you know, I've got big feet or, oh, I I don't look my best. I've gained 10 pounds. Don't ever do that. Don't ever diminish who you are. If anything, big up yourself because confidence is really sexy. The bad bitch boots. Just the sentence is sexy. And it's putting an image in your head. Which is very sexy. I love the fact they're laced right up to the knee. But I also find Dr. Martin's on girls very sexy. Yeah. Even little short dresses because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I might have a short dress on, but don't you mess with me. <laughs> I can run in these. I can yeah. kick you in these. I've got power. <laughs> and I love that. Thank you. So now my fourth favorite chapter, yeah. Get Unpissed. Yeah. So clever. But... It's so clever because it it's like having a little appetizer going, I want more now. You've given me one little bit of candy. I need the whole packet. Tell us about Get Unpissed.
1: Yeah, it's get unpissed and gain emotional sobriety. Mm. So emotional sobriety, actually, my husband coined the phrase, and I just loved it because it was such a beautiful metaphor for... You know, everyone's, you know, you've had the drink, you've had the cocktail, you get giggly and then you have a little too many and you wake up the next day and you're like, oh God, I shouldn't have said that. Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. How many people have had that on emotions where you've got so mad at someone and the next day or that night you start beating yourself up and you're like, I wish I hadn't said it. I wish I didn't do that because it becomes like this, like, at least for me, if I get like hot headed. I'm just like a little blind and it's like, I can't, that wasn't me, like who the hell was that? Mm. And so when I think about like emotion, emotions, it's the same thing. So how do you become emotionally sober? Because how many moments have you been in a situation where you're like, I would have handled that differently if I wasn't upset, if I wasn't mm. you know, annoyed, if I wasn't triggered, all these things. And as you, I started to go into business, so in fact, business and my relationship with my husband, both those two things, I'm like, if I come into a, um, a situation where I cannot articulate my emotions. It's not about not feeling your emotions, but it's about just not being able to articulate them, saying things that you're going to regret. So how in those moments that I'm feeling overwhelmed with emotion, where maybe I'm upset, I'm pissed, I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed, right? All the emotions that we feel. How do I make sure that in this situation with my relationship or in business, that I'm able to articulate things? that I'm able to have a, um, a very neutral conversation that i'm able to have a discussion without getting emotional because when someone becomes extremely emotional sometimes as well you start to dismiss their point Mm. and now even if you've got a valid point because you're saying it with emotion people dismiss you Mm. so i realize oh well hang on also that doesn't serve my goal so now i look at business I'm not the sort of person that wanted to cry in a meeting. I just don't, that's not how I want to show up every day. I want to be able to take problems. I want to be able to take issues and have an articulate discussion with somebody and work through it to come out the other end. The second I brought my emotion into it, it wasn't possible. So I said, okay, it's not about not feeling your emotions, but it's about not bringing them to the table. So in certain situations, how on earth do you, handle it unemotionally what are the things and tools you can do in order to sober up you know emotionally mm. and then have that discussion so a it's about identifying your own behaviors so for me I get very hot-headed and so I'm like I have to walk away and again going to I can't trust my emotions I just need a listicle or if it's like a beat by beat of tell tell actually tell me what to do okay so I walk away but what do you do when you walk away That also matters. Do you phone that friend and that you're like, I can't believe this happened. They're like, yeah, you go and tell them, right? What you do when you walk away is either fueling your emotion or helping you get emotionally sober, which is like the coffee, right? So I go, who is my coffee? Not who is going to have another shot of the fireball that is going to keep me where I am. So what does the coffee element look like? It is either speaking to somebody that you can trust that is going to be honest with you. It's the music. Do you go and listen to sad music? Because in those moments where you're feeling emotionally overwhelmed, do you feed into it? Now, sometimes you may want to. And I also go, cool, right now, Lisa, all, you need to actually just lick your wounds And you need to say all the horrible things that you're saying in your head to yourself. I can't fucking believe it. Why me? Like, just let you, give yourself permission to do it. But freaking put a timer on it. And you better get the fuck up after that and move on. So emotionally, I accept where I am. I go, what are the tools I can do to either walk away or make sure that I don't let this emotion run wild? And then what do I do and say when I come back to the situation in order to handle it with the grace that I wish I did from the start? So I kind of like walk in that chat to mm-hmm. really walk people through the different possibilities mm. of getting emotionally, you know, um, drunk yeah. and the different types of situations that you can be in from anger to shame to emotion. And there is a story in there that I share that I've never said to oh, anyone in. in my, oh God, I don't want to, <laughs> you're like the first man. Yeah. Um, Oh, God, I'm even embarrassed to say it out loud. Isn't that interesting? I've written it in the book. Oh, you don't have to say it if you don't want to. No, it's actually interesting. And look, I can even notice my nervous behaviours. That's fascinating. So because I said to myself, I was so ashamed, so ashamed, so embarrassed. And I was like, I'm never, like, bury this in the desert, Lisa. Don't ever, like, pretend this never happened. And of course, we all know that when we pretend something never happened, it starts to chip away at you. And so in the moment that it happened, I said to myself, this is the most shameful I've ever felt in my life. And right now, Lisa, this will be a haunting moment for you that you'll never be able to shake. Or in this very moment that you feel your deepest shame and embarrassment, you have to shift your mindset because it is now your choice to have this hang over you for the rest of your life or to pivot. And in the moment of the most embarrassing shame I've ever felt, in that moment, I said, I will one day use this for good. And what does that mean? It means right now, Lisa, you need to sober the fuck up emotionally and realize this isn't the end of the world. And you need to, right in this moment, realize this doesn't dictate who you are, and this doesn't dictate who you can become, and this doesn't dictate how you... um, This doesn't dictate who you are. And telling myself that in that moment i said one day i'll share this story i don't know when i don't know how and i don't know why but one day i will and that thought in the freaking moment empowered me so much that like that i was able to overcome the shame and i ended up having a wonderful evening with my husband um but it's so hard for me to talk about but when i wrote the book i was like this is why i need people to understand what radical confidence Mm. is because I can still turn around from this. I can still turn around from the most shame, embarrassment I've ever had in my life that I'd never told anyone. I told my husband and my sister and then I freaking wrote it in the book. But the point being is that no matter how much you may feel it, you can come from it even in that freaking moment. And I'm actually even nervous
0: to say it because I've never said it out loud before. Well, you don't have to say it. But I think what you're telling us in itself is is interesting too, because you know, you're allowed to make a mistake. In the Bible, it says to err is human, to forgive is divine. I've always thought to err is human, but God, it feels divine. And I prefer that. Mm-hmm. So we're, you're allowed to be make a mistake. I always remember years ago, I was on holiday with my best friend, and she fainted. And as she fainted, she wet herself. And she was so upset. I wasn't upset. I helped her room, I took off her clothes, I washed them. I wasn't embarrassed, she was mortified. I'm like, look, it's okay, you fainted. It's it's an even thing, as you faint, you lose control mm-hmm. of usually your bowels because your body wants to get rid of everything in you. So you've got less um, heavy stuff so you can run. That's why if you fire over deer, it will lose control too because it needs to flee and our body wants to get rid of everything and panic. But she was so embarrassed, nobody else was. It's like coming out of a restaurant with your dress tucked into your knickers. Nobody else is really embarrassed. You are, and I think we have to give ourselves a break. We have to say to err is human, to forgive is divine. You are allowed to make a mistake. In fact, you're meant to make a mistake. How can you learn? Napoleon said a man who never made a mistake, he never made anything. Because if you don't make a mistake, how can you learn? So you're allowed to make a mistake, but you are not allowed to beat yourself up, to make yourself sick because you made a mistake. So when you're sharing your mistake, now we're all dying to get the book to find out the story. I literally was, the
1: part of me was actually like, I need to be radically confident right now and just tell yeah. me.
0: Well, you can tell me if you want yeah, to. Yeah, I do. I oh, do. You see, I have that effect on people. They, they tell me everything. The, so tell me.
1: The funny thing is, yeah. And like, as you were talking, I was like, Lisa... What the fuck are you doing? Like you literally wrote a book about it, and you mm. can't shy away from it. And actually, you just gave me the great like pivot to to share it because, so, I've had a lot of health issues. I go on a wonderful date for my husband. We haven't eaten out for like four years, five years because of my gut issues. We finally decide to eat out. It's our um our anniversary from like our. our 18 years from our first date, it was, you know, my he books, like, the most beautiful restaurant. It's cut at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. I mean, if anyone knows Hollywood, that's, like, you know... The, the place. The place to be. And so he was so sweet and, he like, he does... My husband, he's not pretentious at all, like, never, ever. But he was the first time he used his name and he's like, I want to get the perfect table. I'm going to tell them all your health issues, babe. I'm going to tell them all the ingredients. You never have to worry. I mean, it was, like... I was so excited and I put on my bad bitch boots and I've got my sexy shorts on and we go like to this um, this dinner and I was so excited and we sit down and like my stomach's starting to like make really like upset noises because I've had such bad gut issues. So I was like, it's really hurting. I was like, babe, I, I gotta, give me a minute. I gotta go to the restroom. And so like, of course. So I get up and I go and I'm like, what the fuck, are the toilet? What the fuck, are the toilet? And the waiter, I'm like, Dude, where's the fucking toilet? And he's like, Oh, we don't have our own. You have to go into the lobby because restaurants, apparently, they're in hotels, don't have their own restrooms. So I'm like, Fuck. So I'm like, All right, cool, calm, and collectively, so you're in the bloody five star hotel. Like, walk, walk, but walk fast. I'm walking. I'm walking. Fuck, where the hell is the toilet? Oh shit. Oh crap. And I didn't make it. And in the Beverly Wilshire Hotel, in fucking shorts. (laughs) I don't need to say the rest. You don't. And I was in, I literally was like fucking stumbling into the restroom, didn't make it. I'm in shorts. I don't have my phone on me because I jumped out of the table and I don't have a sweater on. I've got a tank top on. What the fuck do I do? I was mortified, embarrassed. The first time I got dressed up in so long, I hadn't felt so sexy in a long time. I thought I was finally over it. I had the identity that I'd got through it. I'm this, you know, sexy, I'm going to have this awesome, beautiful, romantic night with my husband. I built a fucking billion dollar company and I fucking shit myself in the toilet in the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. I'm never going to tell anyone this story. I'm going to hide. I'm going to, like, what can I do? What are the things I can do just to make it back to Tom and get the fuck out of here? And I'm going to pretend this never happened.
0: What did you do in that moment?
1: I was like... All right, Lisa, you, haven't got a, you have to leave the bloody restroom. Like, you ain't got a choice.
0: Mm. Oh, so so you were in the restroom by then? Yeah,
1: literally. So I'm like stumbling in the fucking restroom. Okay. And so I was like, clean yourself up as much as you can. Get back to Tom as quickly as you possibly can. So I literally did as much as I could, ran to him. I was like, get the fucking che-. Like I was like, get up, we're leaving. And because he'd never seen me like that, he was like, what the fuck has just happened? He's like, of course. So I was like, give me your jacket. So I wrapped his jacket around my waist. He, I can't talk. I'm so upset. I'm crestfallen, crestfallen. And he's like, Babe, what's up? I couldn't talk. We get in the car. I still can't talk. And it's our anniversary. I've been looking forward to this. And he's like, You know, what can I do? And in that, I'm like in tears. I burn. And I'm not much of a crier. There's a whole other past of like why I'm mm. not much of a crier. I'm in tears. I'm, I'm uncontrollable. And that was the moment where I was like, Lisa. You talk about mindset. You talk about your health being the best thing that's ever happened to you because now you can take ownership mm-hmm. and you can improve. Right now, you're feeling sorry for yourself. Right now, you're pre- you want to pretend this never happened. You either, you are gonna fucking talk the talk and walk the walk, who do you want to be, Lisa? Who Like, I literally was saying to this, who do you want to be? And in this moment, do you want to be the person that hides from mistakes or do you actually want to be the person that says you can always own up to your mistakes because not mistakes, but like whatever's happening Mm -hmm. and learn from them. And in that moment, I was like, hang on a minute. Why did I come out for dinner in the first place to have a magical night with my husband? It's only 7 p.m. And I've ridden the whole night off. And I'm like, if I... Right now, in this fucking moment, is when I'm going to decide how this event replays in my head. And that's when I was like, it's got to be the most empowering moment of my life. Of course. So I was like, how do I make this the most empowering moment? Mm. I was like, I need to be able to flip this immediately. But I don't feel like I want to flip it, right? Mm. The embarrassment, the shame, it's all there. So how the hell do I do it? And I'm like, all right, I need to remind myself of what tonight is about. It's about me and my husband. It is not about, well, yes, we were hoping to have some fun in the evening. It was about being with him. All right, so how do I reframe this evening? I have to reframe it of, I still got time with my husband. Yeah. And so this, I was like, right, now I have to put a plan in place. All right, babe, we're going to go home. And literally I was like all right, babe, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go home. I'm going to shower. I was like, we're going to put on our matching PJs. I was like, you're going to get your snacks. I'm going to get my bone broth. I'm going to put on the most romantic movie that we can think of. And we're going to lie in bed and we're going to hug. And he's like, I love that, babe. And that's exactly what we did. And in those moments, it reminded me of what was important. It reminded me again for the 10th millionth time that my husband has my back. And it reminded me of what is important in life. Yeah. It is being with each other and having a healthy mindset. Because I couldn't control my body and the weakness that I had in my body, mm. but I could control how I responded to it. Yeah.
0: I love that. So if Ooh, I, I'm like
1: I'm like, you thank know, you for But I'm you like know, that's the that.
0: basis of friendship. If you didn't know the basis of friendship is we choose people who share our vulnerabilities. And it's a bit like when you go to AA and stand up and say, hey, I sold all my kids toys. It was as I did it do You think, oh, I feel so much better. You sold your kids Barbies. I thought I was the only asshole in the world yeah. that sold their kids Barbies to get money for alcohol. And now I feel better. And when you share your worst moment, you know, one of my dear friends was a, went to jail for drugs. He's now good. He tells all his clients, hey, I was in prison for having too much cocaine. They thought it was a dealer. And he doesn't hide anything. You know, I love that, that you can be totally honest about, you know, I've worked with clients who say, I don't know, oh, I slept with so many people. I have no idea who the father (laughs) of my child is, but who cares? And I love that, Mm. that they, they don't hide, it. and actually, I worked with someone who came in for fear of flying, and she said, well, you know, I want, I was terrified of flying, so I went on one of these BA things. You get on the plane at Heathrow, they do a little tour, and you come out, and I had on shorts. They said, would you like to go in with the pilot? She said, I actually lost control of my bowels in the cockpit of the plane. The pilot put on a mask, and I had to walk down the plane with it all running down my legs. I mean, they didn't even give me, like, didn't have anything, like a tablecloth, so. I got back in my seat. Everyone was looking at me. She said, it was just awful. But then I thought, well, hey, if I can survive that, it didn't cure her, the flying fear, obviously, she just come to me. But if I can survive that, I can survive anything. And sometimes our worst, most embarrassing moment is to think, but I survived it. Yeah. I, something awful I'm in front of people, I, I, the most intimate thing happened, but but it's okay. It's rather like, you know, people who've had sex tapes, they go, like, well, you know Watch it all if you want to. (laughs) you see me having sex? Go ahead. It's always better when you can say, yep, the worst thing happened, but I'm still here. And I didn't give it the power to hurt me. You know, that talk you were at, I remember my heels kept falling through the stage. It was the weirdest thing. And as I was speaking, they were just going, and I thought, okay, I'm going to have to stand completely still because that's not my, that wasn't the plan. I'm going to get on stage and my heels are going to fall through it. So I had to stand completely still. But, you know, these things make make us prepared. You think, well, the worst that could happen has happened in the Beverly Wiltshire Hotel. What else can happen that's bad? And you showed a vulnerability in sharing that hugely, but in sharing your vulnerability, you gave everyone permission to share theirs. And that's actually an extraordinary gift that you probably, again, don't even know you have. You think, wow, Lisa can talk about that on air. So... I can talk about things. I remember years ago being in a tennis match and I sat on my boyfriend's knee and I got up and I bled all over him and he was playing at tennis on his tennis was. I didn't even know how to peer and it was like, oh my God, I mean, could this be more embarrassing? But he didn't really mind. He said, don't worry, we'll rinse everything off and drying his shorts under the hairdryer. And it's like, I mean, that was in front of everybody, but you just got to think, well, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But the person that cares the most isn't. The audience Go, oh, my God, poor you. They feel bad for you. They don't think it's disgusting because they think, well, that could have happened to me. We feel the shame and the blame and the guilt. But when we can just share it, yeah, I sat at my boyfriend's knee at tennis tournament in his whites and I bled all over him. And then I got up and went, oh, you know, I was actually doing a yoga class and then the trainer was leaning over and that happened to her she was bleeding all through her leotard and I had no idea and she carried on the whole class and I'm sure afterwards she was just horrible gosh that's a reminder never do yoga in a white leotard <laughs> right. when you know it's the day before your period make sure you wear black mm. don't do that when it could be that day you know you can only learn from these yeah. things so I love the chapter be the hero of your own life, because actually you've just done that. It's very heroic to come on and say, this is what happened to me. It was the worst thing you can imagine. But for everyone else, it probably isn't the worst thing. You think it is. So tell me more about, give give the audience here, especially younger women, some advice. How can they become the hero of their own life? Yeah,
1: I love that. don't wait for someone else to come and rescue mm. you. That was the biggest thing for yeah. me. Um, for someone, who, I've been with my husband for almost 20 years. I know. We grew up together Amazing. and I was years I met him. And so along the way, you know, especially because I was a stay-at-home wife for eight years and it was like we had a very, you know, old-school traditional marriage. And so I would literally just look to him to bring, to give me my the life that I felt like I wanted or the emotions. So it was like... I would stay home all day. I'd get really bored and, you know, try and find things to fill my day. And he would come home and I was like, all right, how was your day? What are you doing? Right? And it was like, give me the life that I, like Mm. the outside life. Um, Or it was just, you know, like, "Well, now my husband's home. I can start having fun. And it wasn't him. It was all me. It was me turning to him to give me the life that Mm. I thought I wanted. And... It wasn't one, there was one very powerful day for me that shifted this mindset completely. And it was during very severe gut issues again. It was like really early on. And I didn't go out anywhere because I just wasn't sure what would happen. And I was in the middle of a photo shoot and I've got this photo shoot, they're taking photos of me, I'm doing this thing. And then all of a sudden, oh God, my stomach. So I'm like, excuse me, I, I just need to, I'll be back in a second, right? So I excuse myself. I go upstairs and I fall to the floor with such excruciating stomach cramps. I could barely breathe. I was like, (gasps) and I was holding my side and the photo shoot is, everyone's waiting for me. And I get my phone and I'm texting Tom because he's in another room in a meeting. And I'm texting him. I was like, I need you. No answer. Now we have a rule in the Billy household that if if we text each other once, you can ignore it. If we text each other twice, you can ignore it. Or oh, sorry, if we call each other once, you can ignore it. If you call each other twice, you can ignore it. If you call each other a third time, it means whatever the hell you're doing. Stop. If you, like, literally, you're interviewing the president. Oh, sorry, I got a dash. Like, my wife's calling me three times. That's just the rule that we have. Mm-hmm. So I call once, doesn't answer. I'm like, I need him, I need him. Call him twice, doesn't answer. I call him a third time, he doesn't freaking answer. And literally this whole time, I was like, I need him to help me get up. I need him to help me get up. And by that third time, because I always turned to him, I was like, well, what the fuck do I do now? And in that moment, I was like, I don't need him. I want him, but I don't yeah. need him. Lisa, get the fuck up. Be your own hero. Stop fucking waiting. Sorry for Mm. swearing, But like that's the aggression, right? But
0: that I want you, but I don't need you. I wrote about that in my book. I miss you, but I don't need you. It's like that I need you. No, I think I need you. I miss you, but I don't Mm -hmm. need you. Because needing is very needy. And that was probably very good for you because it made you
1: do it yourself. A thousand percent. DIY. Yeah, and then that, that idea then started to... Um, infiltrate in the most beautiful Mm. way every area of my life so with my health I was going to doctors the doctor's gonna fix me right Mm. the doctor's gonna give me a pill it's somebody else I need someone else to fix me I need someone else Mm. to get me up off the floor and with the doctors with my health for over a year I kept going to doctors I need you to fix me I need this and eventually when I realized that my own digestive issues were all my own doing. Mm-hmm. It was 10, 20 years of having a very poor mindset um, about mm. food, not looking at food in a healthy way, being very controlling, taking, getting sick, taking too much antibiotics. Once I realized, oh, it was me that did this to myself. It was the most wonderful Yeah, because
0: if you finding, did it, you can fix it. That's, yes. that's the magic, because if I created it, I cannot, If my mind is powerful enough to give me a symptom, then, oh boy, it's powerful enough to get rid of it
1: too. Yeah. And so at that moment was then that flip of, oh, I was waiting for the doctor to give me a pill. Actually, if it's all in my own doing and if I am my own hero, I have to save myself. Yeah. What does saving myself look like? Take responsibility. What does that look like? all right Lisa when you eat this how does it feel when you do this how does it feel because I would listen to the doctors the doctors would give me let's say a dietary mm. um exo- like um this is what you need to eat even though my gut and my mind was like that's like you know when you have that like spidey senses yeah. like I don't feel right I would ignore my gut issue I would ignore my my gut mm. literally and be like all right well the doctor told me the doctor must know better than I do so I was always even giving over my power to someone else and not listening to myself. And you talk about the power of thought. What is that doing to me on every aspect where I'm giving over my own health to someone else and ignoring what my gut is telling me I should be listening Mm. to?
0: And, you know, that's so important because when I used to tell my little daughter fairy stories, I noticed that the princess was always saved, Rapunzel was Mm -hmm. saved. And so when the end and Snow White was kissed by the handsome prince, I'd always change the ending to the, well, so I said, actually, I want to be an artist. I'm going to do my own thing, thanks. And I would sometimes (laughs) change the, I'm going to be an artist. Thanks for offering to whisk me away to your castle, but I don't want to live in a castle. I like shopping and hanging out with my girlfriend. So I would always change the ending a bit oh thank you so much prince charming but and actually she just made a t-shirt and it says this princess saves herself (laughs) yeah and I notice now that when she's with her little sister from a different um mom same dad she's also doing the same thing they don't have and the poor snow white was all on her own and then the handsome prince came along and kissed her and made her better it's like the handsome prince goes hey I've got it myself you know I'm great I am miss independence I'm living here with the seven dwarfs I've got seven guys here I don't need you (laughs) and it was always very important to change the narrative of girls being saved and then living happily ever after like what is that anyway because you don't get married and live happily ever after and often it's I love that song, Miss Independence, that's why mm-hmm. I love it. I've got it, you know, we, we like that. We don't want to hear about, oh, rescue me. I can't be without you. So that was probably a great gift for you that Tom didn't answer the phone and you were thinking, I need him. You think, actually, I don't need him. I've got this. You know, when, when little children, I can do it. I can do it myself. Mm-hmm. I can do it myself. When they're little, I can put my coat on. I, I can feed myself. And then we keep doing it for them, and it's such a bad move for girls to have this belief that you're going to be saved. Saved from what? Mm-hmm. What? Saved from yourself. Yourself is fantastic. You don't really want to save you. And I know myself that my husband. I mean, he's so techy, but it's almost disabling because it's like, well, I, he'll do all of that. And I have to say, don't yeah. keep doing it for me. Because now I have no idea. I went to visit a client once who said, I, I'm so sorry, I can't make any tea. My maid isn't here. I don't know how to make tea. Oh. What do you mean? I don't know how to boil a kettle. And um, I see that with a lot of my very wealthy clients, they're utterly disabled because they can't do anything for themselves. And when you
1: can say, I can do it all by myself, and it's a great thing. Do you find this actually, um, because like with Tom, there's this like fine line where it's like, oh, I know I can do it, but I still want him to do it. And yeah. no, over the years of going, no, 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 I'm fully capable, but I still want him to do it, I'm actually very comfortable in doing it. Oh, like, yeah. I'm not necessarily that person that was like, I need to do it all myself. Mm. Um, so, for instance, like a couple of a week- couple of months ago, I was having really it was one of those work days, right? Where it's like you just got things flying at you left, right, and center, and you got all this stuff. And it's like, it was just go, 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 go. And I could feel myself really hot. And it's like And by the end of the day, I was just like, in, I, I needed to eat, but I know that my gut issues, I should never eat when I'm that stressed or that wound up. And so I was like, you know what? I really want a hug from my husband. And it wasn't that I could have done other things and it wasn't like, I was like, I want it. Yeah, but wanting it is different Exactly. Than needing it. Yeah. And so, but knowing the difference and kind of, mm. it allowed me... To like, I still want to be able to rely on my husband. I still want him to be able to rely on me. But the, so there is that difference and that nuance between. Yeah, but it's different. Like if my if my husband said to me one day, he said,
0: "Um, darling, you never have to speak to a contractor again in your whole life." I'm like, "Oh my god, that's like foreplay."
1: Right. right. <laughs> I, to speak to a con-
0: I do it, and I'm like, "Oh my god, that's like foreplay." You you do that, but I could speak to the contractors. I could deal with them. Yeah. But he goes out there and does this tough guy and and it's better than me, but I could do it. So, but the nuance is I could do all of this, but I want you to do it Mm -hmm. because I like to feel cared for. I said to my husband one day, you know, when you go to bed at night, I really like to lock all the doors because I feel cared for. I can lock all the doors myself. I did it for years as a single woman. I set the alarm, but I like him to do it because I feel protected and he loves to do it because I I didn't say, you know, you just go to bed and leave all the doors open. And I said, I feel protected when you do that for me. I'm not incapable. Mm. But I think in a relationship, whatever your sexuality is, it's very important to say, hey, I could get into bed with a little toy and please myself all night long, but I like you to do it because I feel connected and bonded. And so the difference is small, but it's important I could do it, mm-hmm. but I feel so good. It's like you could cook dinner, but you want to go to a hotel and have the waiter serve you. You could get out a sewing machine and make your own clothes, but why would you? I could do my own gardening and washing and everything, but I do not really want to, but I know if I had to, I can do all of that. Mm. And when you can do it yourself, It's very empowering. So I'm going to ask you one more question because I I don't want to run out of time before I ask you my second question, which is really important. But tell me about
1: betting on yourself. Yeah, I just think, I mean, going, growing up Greek Orthodox and kind of settling into a life that I didn't want. Um, I had like dream. I wanted to be a movie director. Like I had all these dreams and I found myself being in a situation that I wasn't making me happy and so I was looking at you know the life that I had I love my husband more than life it's like literally I would give up every like burn the business to the ground because I'm not conflicted on what my priorities are my husband is my number one even though he's my number one I knew that I have to rely on myself
0: Hmm. you have to be your number one I
1: have to yeah
0: put your own mask on first yes Exactly. exactly
1: and so when Tom was just miserable, he was just chasing money. I was supporting him at home. Neither of us were happy. Like literally, we're like, okay, we're gonna go down this path. We're gonna live this life. We're gonna make enough money so we can make movies. Eight years later, we're still not making movies. He's now just chasing money. I'm, you know, staying at home, kind of almost like given up on my dreams and my goals. And we were just living a life that we weren't happy with. And so I eventually said to him, "Babe, like, we choose this life. And so do we really want?" this life like we didn't you know we we can't just keep perpetually going with emotion and so what life do we actually want and I said I I need my husband back I don't give a shit about money I don't give a shit about any this Mm. house I just need my husband back and so that's my north star how the hell are we going to get I need you back I need your personality back connection Yeah, yeah we need the connection so we said okay let's just like let's just roll the dice Right. Like all these things that we thought were, mm-hmm. well, you buy the house and you pay the mortgage and you do this and you do that. And it's like we came on this path and we got married and we came to America and we were going to make movies. And it's like, well, who the frickin is writing? Who's writing your script? Yeah. Write,
0: you, your script. write your own script. Write your own, like, own like, script. Like roll
1: the freaking dice and mm-hmm. just bet on yourself. And it doesn't yeah. mean you're always going to win or your hand's going to. Because you
0: know. you've got to take a breath and think, what makes my why am I doing this? Yeah. It's like people who say, I've got a baby and I'm going to work to get the money. When my little girl one day I was writing a book. I said, baby, I'm writing this. She goes, but mummy, I don't want you to write. I just want my mummy to spend time there. And I thought, yeah, she's writing. I'm writing a book so she can go to private school and we can have great holidays. But she just wants me to be present with her. That's all children ever want and be present with me. With your partner, put your phone down, be present with me. And we're so busy chasing the dream to have the house, to have the car, to have the status. And we forget that what we want is to be present with people that we love. And yeah. you're right, bet on yourself. But take a minute and say, you know, what, what makes my heart sing? What, why am I doing this? I'm, I'm doing all of this. You know, my husband said, was telling me a year ago what we could do with our business. I said, but we're just doing that to make much to leave it to our kids. And is that going to do them any good at all? Mm-hmm. Probably not. They they don't need all of that wealth. You've got to really think, why am I doing this? What am I doing it for? So I love that, Bet On Yourself. But I love the song. You reminded me of something. Now I was in London and I was teaching my school and I love teaching and I... Suddenly got a phone call to say that my mother was really ill. She'd been burgled. It was a terrible thing. And she would got rushed to hospital and I'd never actually left my school, but I said, well, I, I just leave the school. So I just got in the car and I drove. My sister was also running. So we both went to my mother's bedside and actually the school was fine. And amazingly, she died that night. It was terribly sad. And the next day I was thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to teach my school? But I remember singing this song by Abba, Super Trooper. The show must go on. And I I would sing that song in my head over and over again, Super Trooper, Super Trooper. And I remember walking to the door and thinking, "Okay, sing the song, get yourself together. And I would sing the song and go in. And now I still play that song because I really believe that radical confidence comes from What's the message in your head? For me, it was you're a super trooper. Your mum doesn't want you sitting on them. Like, What's the point of crying? You can cry when you go home. You can cry every night, but you can't cry. These people have flown from all over the world to be taught by you. And you've got to stand up and put your big girl pants on or your big bitch boots. <laughs> you've got to stand up and teach. They've, they've come from Australia and New Zealand. And so that was my radical mm-hmm. confidence, super trooper, the show must go on. Just that. put on your big girl pants and do it. So I think you've, you've spun a wonderful story for your audience with all these mm-hmm. exciting titles mm-hmm. and messages. And you're so authentic and so willing to share your mm-hmm. deepest vulnerability because it makes you stronger. But I've got to ask you one more question because yeah. I know, well, how do you write a book? You know, I started mm. by saying, I think it's 18% of people ever get to it. I think 90% of people want to write a book. 18% actually get it done, but they do not get it published. And then how do you get it to sell? It's a whole process. So, mm. and I've taken a lot of your time, but tell me yeah. how you personally sat down and wrote a book.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's one of these, um, because I spent eight years of my life, Doing something that didn't make me happy. It didn't fulfill me. I swore that I would never do something again for someone else if it didn't fill my heart Mm -hmm. up. Didn't make your heart sing. It didn't, yeah. So when I was approached to write a book, I just had to ask myself, is this something that's interesting? And will it make my heart sing? And is it part of my North Star? Because I'm so Mm. again goal-oriented. So I go, okay, reminder, what is that goal? For me, it really is to impact a 14-year-old girl so that she never has to live 20 years Mm. unwiring the negative mindset that I've had to do.
0: Yeah, I love That, that.
1: That's my North Star. Everything I do is in line with my So when you were
0: sitting down to write, were you thinking about those 14-year-old girls and your message? When
1: I was sitting down to write it, well, so that was the, like, okay, that was the yes. Mm -hmm. So I had over here, at least you have no idea how to write a book, who the hell is going to buy a book from you, what if you don't sell any copies? All the negative thoughts over here. And then I remembered what I do, what makes my heart sing, to impact a 14-year-old. So I just go, which one's more important? Which one outweighs the other? with no judgment yeah because let me tell you if I said to myself you know what writing a book scares me so much it's not the life that I want I don't want to live the next year of my life in anxiety in not knowing what I'm doing there's no judgment there like I literally gave myself the permission to be like you have every right to live the life you want Lisa and if not writing a book is the life you want then don't write it so I processed it and I said, okay, I would have no idea what I'm doing. What if I don't sell any books over here? And then over here, how powerful is affecting the 14-year-old girl? Is that more powerful than the fear of writing a book? And I was like, fuck yes, it's more powerful than the fear of writing a book. So that was a decision to write it. Then the next thing was phone people you know that write books and ask, what am I in for? So I do my did research now. It basically was, it'll be an entire year of your life. Mm-hmm. The rest of your business is going to go to the wayside. You need to think ahead. And then you need to think about planning. You need to think about what that goal is, who's your who you're marketing to. So I literally would write all these notes about like, okay, this is the process. And I was like, okay, now how do I approach it in a schedule? Because of my health, I have to sure, protect my health. Of course. So it was establishing what the next year is going to look like. And then talking to my team. And having my team saying, okay, guys, this is how much I'm going to be available through the first three months. This is where I'm going to be available for this time. I'm not going to be available for two months. So you're going to have to be on your own. Mm. And then really laying out my schedule. So that's all very logistical because I've got the logistic Mm. brain in me. Then it was to sit down and write it. I had an incredible ghostwriter. So she just helped guide me into the knowledge of writing a book. And then I was like, this is what is important for me to say. And then it's the stepping stones. So it was like, this is my life. This is where I started. This is how I ended. And the most amazing thing about writing the book was it was the most therapeutic thing I've ever done.
0: I thought you'd say that because I know when I I write, I think writing is like drawing a picture. People say, well, I've got to start at the beginning, finish at the end. You can start in the middle, Mm -hmm. you can start anywhere. When you draw a picture, you often start with a little tree, then you do a house and then it all fills itself in. And I think if you want to write you can start anywhere because the book will take on a life of it. And so I'm currently writing a new book about why nature wants you to binge on sugar, why it wants mm-hmm. you to be fat, why it's not your fault. And then I woke up and thought, you know what? I had an idea at 6 a.m. I just get up and write a chapter, and it only took me 90 minutes because it was in my head. I just put it down on paper. And I think to write you just write what's in your heart at the moment. Just write. Don't keep going back and changing and editing it. I know so many writers who say, I've rewritten this book 20 times. It's such a mistake. Mm. Just write what you feel. You can dump some of it later. And my edit, my agent said it's called Bum on Seat, actually is in America here, <laughs> But on Seat. Just sit down. JFD, just freaking do it. Yeah. Because when you have a message in you and you begin to write, it will take on a shape of its own and... You know, when I first wrote, it was like, wow, this is like having a lover. I can't wait to get up to it. I can't wait to come home to it. I'd go, oh, I think I'll pop out and meet my editor. And then I'd go, oh, no, I'm just going to... i come home and think, i just do half an hour. I'd be writing all night long. And people said, I bet you're thrilled when it was finished. I'm like, you know what? I really miss it, actually. I was so engrossed and it gave me so much back. that I've finished my book. I miss it, so I better do another one. And I have a feeling you'll be doing one a year because there's certainly more than one book in you you've got such a great message and I think all those 14 year old girls are very lucky to have you as a role model
1: oh thank you at least come from you that's
0: well it's true you're a great role model because you're a woman of impact and often it's the people we least expect that have a message and
1: so powerful. It's funny you said that because, like, I literally was like, what message do I have? Like, literally, I was like, I don't know what I would write a book about. Mm. And it wasn't until that's where the therapy almost came in because it was like, well, okay, you went from here to here, but how did you do it? And I was like, well, are you, you just fucking figure it out. I like, well, how do you... So mm. in having to replay things and literally go beat by beat by beat, where it's like, but you were really, like, oh, my God, I was shitting myself, but I still did it. How, mm. how, I was really fearful over here, but I still did that. Like, what? What on earth? Why did I do it? Like I was petrified. But it's like that great message by Marion Williams. Who are
0: you not? You don't Uh, never say, who am I? You say, who am I not? What what do you gain by hiding yourself away? You know, shine your light. If you think you're too bright, they just have to wear sunglasses. So thank you, Lisa. You've oh been such an inspiration. Thank I'm you. so glad you have Women of Impact thank because you. you're definitely one of them.
1: Mm-hmm. And the time, should I know I've taken a lot of your time. It's flown I by. But it. where can we find your book? Yes, go to radicalconfidence.com, And then there's a bunch of bonuses over there as well. You get some free classes from me, downloadable PDF workbook. Um, it's gonna be a lot of fun. But yeah, radicalconfidence.com. But it's in
0: bookstores. Too, oh, it's everywhere. It's, yeah, go everywhere. to
1: Amazon. Target yeah, it, is having it. That exciting? Uh, Barnes and Noble. It's weird, girl. It's weird. I'm like just having a blast. I'm like the little yeah. kid in the candy shop. I was like, oh my god, Target. Like, You're loving in it. In Target. I literally would go to Target when I was living the life that I was like, what am I doing with my life? And I would walk around Target because it was the most dry I could get, because who doesn't freaking love Target? But To now be in Target is a little surreal to me. Isn't it funny? You might be on the side of buses soon, too. Oh, God, that would be weird. (laughs) Well, maybe not.
0: Maybe it would be deserved. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and a joy.